0: Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 221 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. There's been a noticeable increase in the number of wasps appearing around our hives this week. As the summer nectar flow begins to dry up, it's time to give our colonies a little help against these pests. short and sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span a beekeeper in fact just like me i'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by simon the beekeeper making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone simon the beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible along with a super fast delivery service the bees won't wait so their customers don't have to either visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk Hi everyone, and welcome to a much cooler podcast this week. I hope you're all well and managed to stay as comfortable as possible last week. What a scorcher it was. And I make no apology for kicking off today's podcast with a weather report. Record temperatures last week here in the UK, with the Met Office publishing a provisional temperature of 40.3 degrees Celsius, which was recorded at Coningsby in Lincolnshire on the 19th of July, which, if confirmed, will beat the previous record of 38.7 degrees Celsius set in 2019 by one and a half degrees. That's almost 105 degrees Fahrenheit. It was a hot one. And of course, we're just not used to temperatures of that level. I know around the world that this level of extreme temperatures are nothing new, but here in the UK, it was quite frightening to see such high temperatures. There were also some places that suffered what can only be described as wildfires. Now, that is something I never thought I'd be talking about here in the UK, and to see properties engulfed in flames and destroyed is shocking to say the least. It's a relief that no one was killed, and we're now seeing temperatures back down to more like our normal summer peaks of 25-30 to degrees celsius. One thing we haven't had here in the east is any quantity of rain, it's still bone dry. Some of our apiaries look like brown dry wastelands, grass that would normally be lush and green is now looking dry and brittle and everywhere we go we leave a cloud of dust and there doesn't appear to be any rain in the forecast for the next couple of weeks at least. It can all change very quickly, but it's now too late to make any significant change to the honey crop that we'll get as most of the summering flowering plants have now completed their annual cycle of flowering and are setting fruit, although there are still some plants giving up what they can. But that's almost it for us. The borage is now opening just one or two final flowers, having flowered strongly for the last couple of weeks and we've probably seen the majority of any nectar being offered up by these plants, taken by the bees and stored as honey. We should know next week how things have been at our various locations, but already I would say we've got a mixed bag within our sites. Those plants on heavier soil appear to have been able to send their roots deep and draw what little moisture there is up and develop quite well, while other sites on lighter soil Appear to have really struggled. I think it's going to hit our plans a little as I don't think the crop is going to be anywhere near where we really wanted it to be, but that doesn't mean we've had a bad season. Let's wait until we've extracted and weighed it all and then assess where we're at. One of the first signals that summer, as far as us beekeepers, is coming to a close is the appearance of wasps. Each year we see varying numbers of wasps around the apiaries and I think this year it seems a little earlier than last year, just my opinion, but I would say it's probably linked to the weather and I'm seeing a lot more wasps this year. Much drier and hotter than normal and the wasps have probably found their regular food source has literally dried up and so they're forced to find food from other locations and weaker beehives are a readily available source of food for them. This then is the real issue. Weaker colonies of honeybees are vulnerable to attack from predators. Stronger colonies, not so much. Just as an aside, I've not seen many hornets at our apiaries this year. A few put in an appearance earlier in the year, late spring or thereabouts, but I can't recall seeing many at all since then. We were at the farm apiary this week checking up on a few smaller colonies because of the threat of the wasp attacks and it's important to start now with any measures to help smaller or weaker colonies before the wasps really get a hold. It's lucky we made the trip. You'll probably notice a range of different wasps around at different times of the year. In spring, there's the giant fat queen wasps cruising around looking for somewhere to set up their founding nests whereas at this time of the year we're mostly seeing the much smaller worker wasps out on the hunt for food. And it's these smaller wasps we encountered this week, and in quite high numbers. As I mentioned, it's usually the smaller colonies the wasps target. It makes perfect sense for them. Why attack the larger, strong honeybee colonies and risk everything when you can target a weaker colony, sneak in at the side of the entrance, grab a meal, and head back out again? it was just such a colony that the wasps had found and had pretty much stripped out at our farm apiary. A drone-laying colony that should have been shaken out or united with another colony was instead forgotten and left on its own to manage. This colony, bereft of any way to produce a replacement queen, had simply continued to produce drones, and as the population of ageing workers died out, there were no new workers coming through to replace and increase colony numbers, weakening the colony and opening it up to attack. At this point, yours truly, the beekeeper in question, takes full responsibility, once more, for this lapse. My mind is distracted by the topic of wasp traps, something I regularly made at this time of the year for many seasons, but not something I do or advocate now. They just do too much unnecessary damage to other insect populations. Obviously, there's homemade versions that can be created from fizzy drinks bottles, shop-bought versions that cost an arm and a leg, each requiring some kind of concoction to attract the wasps, but this also attracts all the other insects that die in the same trap. If you keep your hives strong and entrances reduced in size, wasps for the most part won't be a problem. Reducing the size of the entrance is where we find ourselves right now. It's about the right time for some of the smaller colonies to get a little extra help and protection from any attacks it might suffer, both from wasps and other honeybee colonies. So we discovered wasps attacking a couple of colonies at two separate apiaries. What do we do next? Well, both colonies turned out to be drone layers as it happens, both beyond saving, and you might think the immediate solution is to block up the entrances and take them away. Not necessarily. Let me explain. Providing you're not dealing with colonies that have died out because of a serious fowl brood disease, it might be better to leave them in place with the entrances open. Here's why. Our honeybee colonies are still out foraging nectar and pollen. The season isn't quite finished for us yet, So these colonies being attacked by wasps are currently only attractive generally to wasps. It gives us a window of opportunity to reduce entrances in our other colonies and make it far more difficult for wasps to get in and attack those. Wasps generally are looking for an easy meal and even though these robbed hives are empty of most food, the wasps will continue to return. If we remove these hives the wasps will naturally go looking for another easy meal and potentially start attacking another hive. Better then to leave the hive in place until we've done all we can to protect our other colonies. All I actually do is stuff a small piece of foam into the entrance which makes it crowded for the bees to get in and dangerously difficult for the wasps. The gap you leave is very dependent on the size of the colony. The smaller the colony, the smaller the entrance needs to be. Nukes in particular can become targets for wasps, so make sure any nukes that you've been building up through the summer are well protected. Seems weird that my summer season is almost over. There will be a little more forage for the bees as the borage is cut back, the plants have a tendency to regrow, but that's down to any rainfall we might get This in turn creates a problem for the farmer because they need it dry immediately after cutting back the borage so the plants can dry out and the seeds mature. For us, the season is almost done. We don't take our bees to the heather and, as I've said before, the end of July is almost like a tap being turned off for our bees. We'll soon be bringing back boxes of honey and extracting our summer crop with the expectation that we'll easily have more than last year, although I am a little worried about one large site. More of that next week perhaps when we've had a time to visit and assess what's going on, but suffice to say the dry hot weather has really caused the nectar to stop. With the summer flow ending, my mind also turns towards planning for next year. A lot of what we do now will determine how our season kicks off next spring, and regardless of where we end up this year, we still need to get focused for the next cycle of our beekeeping seasons. It's why many beekeepers talk about their season beginning in the autumn rather than the spring. I'm going all out to convert completely to Langstroth for next year, so apart from the sale of autumn colonies, we're planning a large number of shook swarms, converting our commercial hives over to Langstroth. It's a great way of getting new comb drawn for the winter period, removing old blackened wax and with it all of the pests and diseases that might be lingering in and on it. These shook swarm colonies need to be tackled in August to give them plenty of time to draw new comb and rebuild stores for the winter period. They always seem to perform better while the nights are still relatively warm whereas later in the autumn the nights are much cooler and the colonies are more inclined to cluster around the brood rather than build comb. For the existing colonies that remain in the Langstroth hives we need to begin treating for varroa. This year I'm planning an August treatment of apistan followed by an oxalic acid treatment. We do have an opportunity here to treat the shook swarms just with an oxalic acid treatment, timed to catch any varroa that might be in the colony before any brood is capped. We should hit a large number and not then need to treat again in the depths of winter. Another area we need to look at is making splits for overwintered nucleus colonies. We have several options available to us, but these will need further thought before I launch headlong into splitting boxes down into nukes. The mid-spring double brood splits that we created this year were a real success for us. We could have doubled up colonies a little earlier maybe, and built bigger boxes of brood prior to making those splits, but overall those colonies have progressed really well and look very strong now. Part of my thought process is to maintain what we have rather than split this autumn, and continue with the same method we used this year as it was so successful. We were helped by a very favourable spell of weather over that spring period, and I am concerned that, should we get a more typical British spring, somewhat cooler and wetter, we may find colonies don't progress as quickly as they did this year, and that could hamper our honey production next summer. It's a little bit of a coin toss really, but something I have to make a decision on very soon as the days and weeks continue to slip by. And on that note, I should get going. I hope you have a great beekeeping week and we'll catch up next week. For my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet.